Explicit content is found in this episode, so listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the True Crime Fan Club Podcast. I'm your host, Lainey. Okay, on with the show. The very first time I met you was actually at True Crime Podcast Festival. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I knew who you were, but I didn't know at the time that you had had your own podcast yet and that you were like launching it. I think I had only heard of the Missing Alyssa podcast. And then everybody was like, Sarah's starting her podcast. Like, we need a supporter and rally. And we're like, fuck yeah, dude. That's what we go and do. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. I was a podcaster for one day at True Crime. Podcast. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Um, I thought. I've been listening to your show, so I had I've gotten so backed up on so many podcasts um, because thanks to COVID, you know, like I, I work from home, so it's a, a little bit different now um, than being at my job or driving in the car and listening to podcasts. So I suffer from that now. Um, but it you're it's boggling my mind. Like I'm so I can't even imagine how you feel right now. Like. It's ridiculous. But first, did you bring a drink? Uh, yes. What so are I, you drinking? I did read the rules. I'm don't judge me. I'm drinking a Corona. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm we love a controversial queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am drinking. So I typically okay, I'm trying well, to you know? hold on. I'm trying to turn off the volume I on this. We love so a I controversial can... queen. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing um, that. Again. That's fine. That was perfect. Yeah, I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, I am drinking. Vodka, vodka, cherry, and pink lemonade. Oh, yeah. Zero sugar, people, because I don't need to be lit like that. Um, <laughs> so it um, that's what I'm drinking. What is everybody else drinking? My mom's here. She doesn't drink. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. Miss AZ is here as well. And then people on Facebook, I'm trying to see what you say, but I cannot. Because, oh, actually, I can't. I'm a just a dummy. There we go. Figured it out. People on Facebook, I too now can see you and hear you. Um, Christy Lee with the Canadian True Crime Podcast is also joining us, or rather said hello. Um, so Mike's Hard Lemonade. Very good. That's what uh, Miss yeah. AZ is drinking. My mom is drinking flavored water. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, I'm like, where do I start? Uh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, my name is Sarah Turney. Um, you guys may or may not know uh, me from my sister's story. Her name is Alyssa Turney. She went missing in 2001 when she was 17. Um, but yeah, I've been on a mission to really get media for her. And I started my own podcast. And I really just kind of jumped into the true crime community the best I can to really help her. The police told me um, the best chance of getting a resolution for her case was media exposure. So that's where I'm at and what I'm doing. Yeah. And there's been some, I saw somebody post about uh, Phoenix PD on your, on your Twitter or saying something like that, or they were on your Instagram. So what's that about? Yeah. So um, I have like a, a sordid history <laughs> a love, with the hate. police. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It is love hate. And I respect mm -hmm. them so much, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not wonderful. Um, particularly from my Twitter, um, basically right now, like the police aren't answering my questions. Mm. They're not returning my emails. And this happens every once in a while. Like 
the last time it happened, I had to send like eight emails over like two months to get an, uh, to get a, a meeting with them. And mm-hmm. if I have to do that, I will. Like I, I, I literally put it on Twitter. I put all of our emails on there and then all of a sudden I had a meeting. So like, it's not the preferred method. Like I would honestly right. love to keep it private and just email them and then be respectful and answer my question or say, sorry, we can't answer that or just anything. Um, but yeah, so on Twitter, I, I kind of called them out as I have to do occasionally. Yeah. And then they're like, crap, this is bad media exposure. So yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> let's talk to her. But they have the chance to turn it around. So that's all. Yeah. So can you see the chat on your end or can you not? Yes. No, I can see. Okay. Awesome. Just making sure because I don't want to read to you if you can read yourself. (laughs) Because I couldn't remember. Because trained detective. I love it. Um, (laughs) Because that's like, so I complained about the police one time um, about Mm -hmm. who they were giving information to. And when I made the complaint, what happens is they call you and they're like, so what's your complaint about? Let's talk about it. And um, I told the gentleman, which he's not a detective on the case. It's always like a random person. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are you a trained detective, ma'am? Are you a trained <laughs> detective? Are you a trained detective? And I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, uh, so no. Now, <laughs> so trained detective has become my thing, um, which is what I think Liz is, is referencing there. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. And, and my background. <laughs> yes, I saw that. I was like, amazing. <laughs> I love it. I Like I said, I love a controversial queen, you know? Hey man, you got to do my favorite. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. So I know, obviously, whenever people bring you on, it's truly to focus on Alyssa, which is so great. I I think I liken you a lot. I don't know if you know Kristen, um, who's Brandy Meyer's sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys are very similar in that sense that like you fight so hard for your siblings, and it's something that like I can relate to in terms of if I had something like this happen nonstop. It's what it would be like. I would use every platform that I could. But your story is so interesting because you were initially kind of backing up your dad, right? And then there was something that flipped on that. And I I, I get that because I had an abusive father growing up and everything like that. So I had to kind of deal with the fact that like I loved him when I was little. And then as I grew up and realized like, oh, you're kind of terrible as a person. And you have to kind of reconcile those feelings of feeling like you've betrayed your family, my mom in particular, um, by like liking him or loving him and stuff like that. And I, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you reconcile that still? Because I still even have little twinges of guilt, you know, every now and then you get those random memories that pop up where you're like, wow, I feel like a piece of shit for, you know, thinking that or feeling that way. So how do you kind of manage that within yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to say it's perfect and that I can forget about him completely because that's not the truth, right? There are certain mm-hmm. events that happen in your life where you want your parents there, no matter how terrible they are. At least you think about it, right? You think about mm-hmm. oh, what it would what would it be like if this parent was here? Mm-hmm. Um, but in another sense, like for me, it's very black and white because Alyssa was like a mom to me. So like in my mind, this man probably took away most of the important people in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel very fortunate and that I can kind of separate it and that I do see it so black and white and that I was able to kind of flip that switch. And a big part of that was speaking to him about all these things and confronting him with it. That was huge. You know, when I met Mm -hmm. with this person and he said all these horrendous things to me, said all these horrendous things about Alyssa, it, it was very clear in my mind at that point that there was no sympathy or love on his end. 
and I kind of felt uh, like free, like that guilt had lifted. Like, I don't need to worry about this man because this mm-hmm. man hasn't worried about me since I was eight years old or something. Um, yeah. I, I find that disparity so crazy because I was like, how does it go from a man wanting like to willingly adopt a child that is not his biologically to not caring that his biological child is out doing the things that he was concerned about. And to me, I don't know. It's so it's gross to think about, but I am like, was he like jealous and stuff like that? Like he didn't want her around these people or was it truly just a control thing? Like, I don't, I can't reconcile that because you, you both like you and Alyssa both had such separate relationships with him that I don't know how now how you feel about how, you know, about that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors that go behind that. I think him adopting Alyssa was a power play. I think it was Mm. very much, if we're going to be a family, we're going to be a family on my terms and all the kids are being adopted because he adopted my brother too. Mm -hmm. He adopted both. Um, But of course he didn't treat my brother the way that he treated Alyssa. Um, Alyssa, of course, as, as most people know, was watched over heavily and controlled very, very much so as opposed to the way I was treated. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, it was control the whole time, especially when she began to suffer abuse. I think that he knew that he had to manipulate her in such a way that she would not speak. Um, mm-hmm. And then when it came to me, I think he spoiled the crap out of, I mean, spoiled to like an eight-year-old, which means like, here's candy or whatever. You don't have to go yeah. to school. Not like I had... <laughs> millions of dollars or whatever it was was very cheap to spoil me um but yeah i think he set it up that way so that when child protective services came into the house which they did they would interview me and say you know i would say everything's great i love my dad you know my sister's kind of you know she gets in trouble sometimes but she's crazy Mm -hmm. or whatever and then Alyssa would you know i don't know what she would say I, i would hope that she would talk about you know how bad it was for her Um, but yeah, I think he kind of pit us against each other in that type of way. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, people have to remember my father had me when he was 40 years old. I was his sixth child. Yeah. He was like, I'm done. (laughs) Exactly. No, he's told me that he's like, by the time you came around, like, sorry, like I've raised so many kids, like, here you go. Like you can feed yourself or whatever. Yeah. Once you're independent, it's done. (laughs) Well, yeah. I started like driving a car at like 13 years old. I I know. (laughs) Like, I just, yeah, I, I was very, very independent. Um, so, yeah, I think that it was because of abuse that he controlled her in that way. And yeah. Checked out as a father that he didn't care much for what I was doing. Gotcha. Yeah. So I can kind I can definitely understand Alyssa's mindset in terms of not wanting to share that type of information because, I, sadly, I also come from that background of being sexually abused. So. I don't, I I can't falter for being like, I can't say anything, like nothing's going to change. And, you know, it, this is just something I have to deal with until it's over. When I leave, then I'll be fine because that's what it was for me is like, I can't wait to escape. I can't wait for X, Y, Z to happen. And then I'm going to be done and out of here. And if that was her plan, yeah, I get it, you know? And so she probably was like, yeah, I'm not going to like disrupt anything where she didn't want to leave you. You know, like I I heard a lot of that in the conversations that you had with her friends that she was so concerned about you and like trying to protect you. But do you think that your dad, knowing what he was capable of with Alyssa, would be capable of the same things with you? Like, do you think you would have ever fallen victim to him in the same way that Alyssa did and the way she was manipulated? 
I mean, had he chose me to be a victim like Alyssa? Yeah, I, I, mm. I probably would have. I mean, I thought my father walked on water like a lot mm-hmm. of kids do. I thought he could do no wrong. Um, so had he tried that with me? I mean, probably. I think Alyssa would have fought for me more and would have not allowed that to happen, if I'm being a thousand yeah. percent honest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I would have been above it in any way, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of what I was wondering. And I think that that would have probably made her more bold and like want to speak out if it something was happening to you. But I think that as the older sibling, much like with my siblings, um, they shoulder a lot of that burden so that you don't have to, you know, they try to make your life easier. And you're just like, I know what's going on. (laughs) So it doesn't make anything easier for me. Exactly. Well, Liz says, in my opinion, sexism plays a huge role, which true. I agree. And the thing is, like, I don't say this often because it's not really my business to share, but it's certainly not a secret that two of uh, me and Alyssa's brothers are homosexual. Mm-hmm. So when you see my dad calling the police and asking if Alyssa being homosexual yeah. is a crime, that blew my mind because when I grew up- but Your never- brothers were out when yeah. he made that call? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, they've yeah, they've been out for a very long time. Um mm-hmm. and we were raised that way. And we were never told like they're bad people or that's a bad way of life. You know, there was no prejudice in there. Um and mm-hmm. I don't know what those private conversations looked like, but outwardly, like they were accepted and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for him to do that just to Alyssa was really weird. And he actually kind of did that to me um at a certain point with a certain friend in eighth grade. He was very concerned that I was, you know, becoming homosexual or whatever. Um, but yeah, he seems to only care when it applies to women and not his sons or whatever. sons. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's a good perspective to put it in. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I I got a kick out of and I know how horrible, like knowing kind of what has what it escalated to um, the phone calls and the transcripts of calling the PD and asking about like incorrigible kids. I was like, I swear to God, if he says incorrigible one more time, like I this know. is not the fifties. <laughs> I know. You know? It's I like my kid like, being bad. I, I know. Well, and you have to think that's how he grew up. Like, it, you yeah. know, born in 48. Like, I think it's a huge piece that people seem to forget sometimes. Yeah. Like 71. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, enough with the police reports. And like, I get it. No, I love those. Oh, you're so sweet. I yeah. always like, feel like I have to like defend it because it's like, dude, like, no. it's an open case. Like, I don't yeah. want the police to be like, you misinterpreted my police report. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I read that. Yeah. Word for word. Yeah. And it's, I just also want to give you kudos for how polished your show is. Oh. Kind of from the beginning, it's, you know, I've been podcasting for, four and a half years and stuff like that. And comparatively speaking, your first episode versus my first episode, you sound like you have a studio behind you and you have a network and all this stuff. Like, it's incredible that you, it just, it just shows how passionate you are about getting things right for your sister, you know? And I truly, truly admire that because I was saying earlier, like I couldn't imagine, like I lost my brother in 2009 due to an accident but I have finality with that, right? Like I know where he's at and I have not the closure of it, but I don't have any unanswered questions about it. I know exactly what happened. And I couldn't imagine going as long as you have, like it's been 10 years for me, 18 plus years for you. Like how, how do you, do you beat yourself up? Because I saw your post when her anniversary came around, uh, the disappearance and you were like, this, 
you know, I always promise her like, this is the year I'm going to do it. But do you, you don't beat. I hope you don't beat yourself up because you're doing such a great job. Truly. Like you really are. So how do you get through those days? Because for me, the month of February sucks ass. Um, I hate it so much, but like, how do you deal with the month of May knowing, you know, what's coming? Yeah, it's, it's weird. And I don't beat myself up. I do like try to hold myself to a standard, right? Like every Mm -hmm. time it passes, I'm like, damn, you know what I mean? Like another year. It's not like I'm like, you suck, Sarah, or you're not good. Because like, like the people around me are like, you need to like, take more time for like, I get it. Like I spend a lot of time on this. So I have Mm -hmm. that peace inside of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to dealing with like the anniversary and her birthday and stuff, it just kind of depends on what's going on. Like her birthday is obviously more sentimental. I did like the birthday stream and mm-hmm. we celebrated her and it was positive and it was fun. Um, but when it comes to the anniversary, that's when I'm like hard hitting. I want to get something crazy out there. I want people to know X, Y, and Z about the case and hopefully push it forward. It becomes more of like a, a rally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You've done a great job. And you recently gained um, some TikTok fame, which I'm super jealous about trying to become TikTok famous myself. And I saw that Tiffany Jenkins also duet with you or duetted. I don't know what the lingo is for these kids on TikTok these days. Um, but yeah, I was like, hell yeah, go girl. Like indie pods, dude, I'm all about them. So my heart like swells whenever I see somebody being successful like that. Um, but have you gotten a lot of response from people on TikTok or like messages and stuff? Like what, what's that experience been like after you've gone viral essentially on TikTok? Oh my gosh. I know it's so crazy. I never expected it. Like I have like always like, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do TikTok. Like just like everybody else. Like I downloaded it during quarantine. And I was like, yes, this is crazy. Like this is good. And then I'm on there for like six hours or whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, setting up the camera and I'm like, okay, I have like a stand. I have like a $10 ring light. Like I'm so fancy. And then, <laughs> I set it up and I'm like, you know, like I, I don't dance. I'm just like pretending, but you know, I like yeah. start doing the moves. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, this is so stupid. Even in my first, I think it's my second video. I was like, she's, Alyssa's worth looking like an idiot over because I felt so stupid doing it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, all of a sudden I got this like huge reaction. Like that second video has like a million views or something. Yeah. That's incredible. It's insane. Um, but yeah, the reception has been amazing. Like I gained so many new listeners, so many new followers of the case. Um, and they care like the people who are sharing it and doing duets and stuff, like the reception on TikTok, like I've gotten like a larger following and probably more of a positive reception in like the month I've been on TikTok than like all 11 years on Twitter. That's amazing. I mean, I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it's such a cool platform that everybody's trying to use right now or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I dig that community and like having that outlet to do it in like a, like a dark humor type of way is actually like really kind of fun for me. Like this, like none none of this entire thing doing it is fun. Yeah, but it's cathartic to release yeah. it. And I don't yeah. have to like look like a sad person sitting there crying. Like I'm fighting and I can be funny about it because it's so ridiculous. And yeah, yeah, I think it's the coolest outlet. I, I love TikTok. It's I spend so much time on it. Like it's my bedtime <laughs> routine. And I'm like, oh, my God, an hour's passed by. It's time to go to bed. Yeah. Um, So I haven't caught up to the latest episode, but um. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody or myself because I would be very sad. I'd be like, I already know what happens. Um, but when 
when did you come? Because I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know. But when have you? When did you come to the realization that, like, oh shit, like you did something about you did this? Yeah, I mean, it took a long time. It took longer than like it probably should have. If I'm being totally honest, like the signs were there, right? So it it kind of started. I don't know. It's hard. Like the police sat me down. I don't know if you've listened to that yet, but you know, when they raid my dad's house, the police sit, sit me down, and they're basically like everything you know about your father is a lie. Like your dad is a terrible person. He was sexually abusing Alyssa. You have another sister you don't know about, blah, blah, blah. But like at that point, I am so enveloped in my dad's, I don't know, mindset or brainwashing or just loving him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I hear that, which is why like on interviews for years and years and years, you'll hear me say like, oh, the the conversation was like five minutes. And then I asked if I was free to go because that's all I remembered. And yeah, this audio of it. And I'm like, this is 40 minutes long. What the hell did we talk about? Um, yeah, like, what did I miss? <laughs> yeah. So they told me all those things. And um, it did not my brain, like, not at all. And then uh, about a year later, you know, the ABC 2020 comes out. And they say basically the same things. Your dad took her out of school early that day. And I was like, what? Uh, you know, she's being sexually uh -oh. abused. I'm like, what? Um, so I started kind of hearing it for the first time there. And of course I jumped online, started reading comments and everybody was like, why is the sister like so stupid or, or like, which whatever I get, I don't blame anybody. Um, but still that wasn't even enough. It took like years of me just going through life and my father progressively caring less for his children. Mm -hmm. Incident I point to when I was from college, I like graduated from college at the time debt-free I bought a house you know like I was a, like a store manager of a baby store which was a huge deal to me and yeah um, you know like I accomplished for what I had gone through I was so proud of myself and so when I finally yeah. got to talk to my dad I was like you know like look like look pops like I aren't you proud and he was like mm, like your mom I've been seeing your dead mom's like ghost or whatever she's just like really disappointed that you dropped out of high school and the f oh, okay but also <laughs> I, right, right. Which, of, like, I wasn't like, oh, I suck. Like, that's so true. I was like, there's something wrong with this yeah. man. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed, right? Into, like, mm -hmm. me just kind of thinking about it. And then me trying to get more of the facts of the case. And then I remember turning to my boyfriend, who was the same boyfriend that, like, lived with me and my dad. Like, he, he knew my father very well. And mm -hmm. I was like, do you think my dad could have done this? And he was like, Sarah, everybody thinks your dad did this. And I was like, whoa. Um, yeah. Did your brothers ever come to you at any point prior to you, you know, making that realization on your own and saying like, you know, we think you did this? Or did you ever hear rumblings like that? Um, I know you talked to your aunt and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, after talking to him ourselves, we're like, oh, he for sure did something. But like for you... Um, I, I gather that it's probably, it was probably because of your age or again, the protection thing, because you're, you know, the baby sibling. Um, I get that a lot <laughs> too about like, you can't know this because you're a baby. Yeah. Um, I'm like, hi, I'm 32. Nice to meet you. I'm going to know now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm still a baby, you know, like to, to my family, like I'm still the youngest and I'm the, you know, only girl youngest child, whatever. So did they ever like come to you and say things or did they ever have like open discussions where you were like, uh, did he just say that he thinks our dad did it or, you know, like anything like that? So there's one incident I can point to and it was when the house happened. Mm -hmm. 
brother John to come pick up the dogs from the house because we had three dogs. So I was like, come get these dogs so I can like deal with the worst day of my life or whatever. And mm-hmm. house, whatever. And we all finally meet back at my other brother, Mike. And my brother John turns to me and he goes, Do you think dad could have killed Alyssa? And I was like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, this is insane. Like, we need to support dad. Like, I'm sure, like, I just went off and was, like, not a good person mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then I tried to bring it up to him a few years later when I came around, and he wouldn't talk about it. Um, the only, like, the reason I found out that my brother James felt the way he did was because he went on ABC 2020 and was like, I don't know if our dad's innocent. And I was like, oh, like, I was so mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, when I finally came around and everything started happening, when I started having these conversations with my brothers again, as you know, like a full fledged adult who wasn't like 19 or 21 or whatever. Um, Cause you know, my brothers are like 20 years older than me. Like their yeah. age differences is, is large. Um, but I went to them and they were kind of like, yeah, like we, we all believe it. Like there's no big open discussions about it. Cause I think we right. know what happened. You know what I mean? Like after everything came out with the police and the 2020 and stuff, it wasn't something like we needed to hash out the details. It was more like, yeah, like that's what everybody thinks and everybody feels yeah. like none of his kids think that he's innocent. Does he have a relationship with any of them currently? One of them is my understanding. Yeah. Mm. And is that more of a keep your distance, like, hey, how you doing? Cool. See you later kind of thing. Or is it an actual like relationship? Um, I mean, as far as I can tell, I think that they talk at least like once a week, I think is what I was. Oh, saying. wow. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's his, pretty, it's pretty serious. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's his oldest You son. can't blame him. Yeah. I get it. I have to respect their choices. I have mm-hmm. to. I can't sit there and like cast blame or whatever for what they decide. They're full grown adults. If they want to speak to him, that's on them. Um, mm-hmm. But this one brother did call me and he was like, you need to respect dad. No matter what happened, he's still our dad. And I was like, no, sir. Like we I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> like I respect what you do, but you need to respect what I do. And that's the end of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it hasn't been, yeah. it's definitely torn uh, us apart. Really? So what's your relationship like with your like whole sibling group? Would you say, is it strained or is it just kind of like, you know, we don't talk about it. So We don't talk about what I do or anything like that. It's gotten better over the past, I'd say like six months or so. Basically Good. since this case update that I can't speak fully to. Um, has come out I think they kind of realized what I was trying to do you know they saw a slight progression in the case and was like holy shit maybe Sarah's like not crazy or whatever mm-hmm. um, and they finally like started just not being kind of terrible to me because for a while like we just weren't talking like there was no talking like I wasn't invited to birthday parties I wasn't invited to you know all the kids stuff which you know broke my heart um, yeah but now I think that there's more of an understanding we still don't talk about it like it's not a pleasurable subject to bring up um mm-hmm. But I, I'll let them know of like major events and things. Um, and one brother is a contact person on the case now. So okay. essentially, yeah, the people being contacted for Alyssa's case right now, me, Alyssa's biological father and my brother. I'm going to pause the case right here so you can hear a word from our sponsors. What do you think? Do you think that your dad is going to actually confess or do you think that it's just another game to kind of keep you around? 
Yeah, I think it's just another game. I don't know if it was necessarily to like keep me around. I think mm -hmm. like um when you hear that conversation between him and I in 2017, like he's just mocking me. Like he's just mm -hmm. and mocking me and like being unkind. And I I think he has no plans to confess. I think if he was dying on his deathbed and knew the exact time of death, he would still not tell me. Um mm -hmm. I think he's just spiteful though. Yeah. So do you think, so I was listening to um, kind of the timeline of events of when Alyssa went missing and some of the stuff makes it seem like, I don't know if that's what you were alluding to or anything like that, but do you think that he had assistance from anybody with this? I don't know. I think it's a possibility. Um, yeah. Because you talk about a lot about the unknown numbers and stuff and how there's not really a direct link. So I'm just like, wait, could this have been, you know, like some other person who's helped him? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, whether that's somebody that he, like, had blackmail on or that he paid, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different things to point to. Like you said, who was he calling? Um, why does he not remember or have any vague idea? Where was from that day on our landline that was always recorded, every phone call recorded going in, every phone call going out, like, where are those? Um, mm -hmm. And then those trips to California. Like, I don't know what he was doing in California for so long, for so many trips. Like, that summer. Did he drive just, or did he take a plane? No, he drove. Mm. Mm hmm. So I think, yeah, yeah I think that's it's possible so cool. to get assistance, but um, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, listening to it, you were kind of, you know, I mean, you were still in the throes of being that kid who's like, fuck, yeah, I'm free today, dude. Like, let's party. Let's hang out. Let's have fun. And obviously, you're not going to think that, like, something nefarious has gone on with your sister. And you're like, oh, I need to know exactly what's going on right now and pay attention. Um, and I noticed that you've said that a lot. Like, even on the uh, My Ohio podcast, you were talking about when Alyssa got in trouble for smoking weed, that you kind of just, like, everything kind of dissipated and you were like da, 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 like a bunch of white noise and you just yeah. didn't hear what they were yelling about but then you also kind of say the same thing about you know your interview with the police like you were just like I think when you're put or when you were put in those type of situations where trauma is going to happen your brain's like let's turn it off she doesn't need that yes <laughs> is that what you think happens I think so yeah and most like um anybody I speak to in like this like I don't even know the word psychiatric field. Like when I mm -hmm. do podcasts with them or whatever, they're like, yeah, that's a, that's your trauma response. Like mm -hmm. it, my memory is so bad. Like it really is. And I mean, that could be the, um, from the fact that my father also like drugged me as a child. Like I was taking very heavy prescription drugs of his, like not prescribed to me. It would be like, are you sad? Take this. Are you, you yeah. sleep? take this. And that happened my entire life until I got old enough to realize like what the names of those pills were. And then when he was gone to prison, you know, I, I had his pills after, like I knew what these were eventually. And they're very strong. Like I was taking like Seroquel at the age of like 12 or something like, Jeez. and like not prescribed to me, just you can't sleep. Yeah. And I'm well. sure a high dose. <laughs> well, and then you get older as a teenager and your friends are like, you have Seroquel and you're like, what's that? Like that's yeah. my nightly routine or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that, there's so many factors that play into me having a bad memory, but certainly trauma for sure. Dang. That's, and I was thinking about that because I heard you saying, obviously heard you saying the stuff about the um, conversation with detectives. Now you guys, if you have any questions um, for Sarah, you can ask those in the get vocal message stream. She can see those. 
Um, if you're on Facebook or any of the other, I'm only watching Facebook right now. So if you are on Facebook, you can um, ask questions and I will give those to Sarah to answer. Um, but I think that, what do you think? Have you had any recent conversations with your father? No, not since um, June of 2019 after Crime Con. Um, 2020 mm -hmm. to me and was like, let's do an update. We want to talk to your dad. I yeah, like, cool. Um, I knew he was going to say no, but I, I kind of wanted to get his, his him saying no and recording. Um, yeah. But after that, I spoke with police. And at one point they were like, wait, you talked to your dad in June of 2019. I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, don't do that. And I, oh. I, I follow <laughs> police orders. And I said, OK, yeah, I'm not going to ask why. Like, they, you know, they did say a little bit like he could be a witness. We don't want to tamper with that. And so immediately I say, OK. Like, I think that there's a big misconception and like, I just do what I want and don't listen to police. But like, mm -hmm. no, like when I see a guy who, um, can, yeah, you don't want to compromise the investigation. Like you get it. Exactly. I give them yeah. everything. I'm doing A, B, and C. Like if there's anything yeah. on social media that you hate, let me know. Don't just yeah. comment on my Instagram and like be rude about it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's really dumb that you can take the time as a social media person to comment on something and then you don't have the time to respond to my emails. Like that's super disrespectful. Um, Liz has a couple of questions for you in the chat stream. Let me see here. I missed the session yesterday. Oh, okay. Patreon, uh, ask me anything. Did they give you a reason for not being able to talk to your dad? Yes. So um, they said that he could be a potential person of interest, a potential suspect, whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, and that I could be a potential witness. So they asked me not to speak with him. And I said, okay. And I never did again. Um, okay. Any updates on the home videos? So the police, I got a call from one of the detectives on Alyssa's case. And he was like, listen, like I released the home videos to you. Like, I mean, like, a I don't know. I'm like pointing, they're like over here. Um, but there's uh, dozens of home videos, essentially. A detective called me and was like, hey, you have given those to you, I guess. Like, I think I should have <laughs> given those to you but I'm kind of in trouble. Like you're kind of ruffling a few feathers with what you're putting on social media. I think you'd be tampering with the tapes. Do you want to give them back? And I was like, well, I've never said no to the police. Like I'm sure let me make copies of that. And then I started talking to my friends in law enforcement and then the legal arena. And they were like, number one, you'll never see those tapes again to um, why do they need the originals and not copies? And I was like, those are really good questions. And so, yeah. so I went back to them and I was like, hey, like, you know, you said that they're not going to be used as evidence if this goes to court. You said that there's like, you, they won't be admissible. Um, so is there a way? Yeah, so then what's the point? Exactly. Well, I'm like, so can we go through a third party service to get copies for you so that you can trust that I'm not manipulating them in any and they just like repeatedly asked me if I would give the tapes back and never answered my questions. And so I was like, well, I don't have enough information. Like this is all I have left of my mom and my sister. Very, they're very sentimental and important to me. So if you tell me why you need the originals and they're not going to be used as evidence, um, I, I can't help you. And mm -hmm. so they never responded. They never answered my questions about why they needed the originals. So that's where it sits. If they can come back to me and say, for reasons A, B, and C that will affect the case, we need criminals, then okay, absolutely, yeah. here they are. I mean, I can't see, I mean, how are you going to manipulate those tapes from so long ago to show that he, like, even the Alyssa's a moron thing, like, you were eight years old 
right? Like when you recorded that. So it's like, how are you going to manipulate your eight-year-old self in video to be like, hey, dad, say, you know, like, what are they looking for? Exactly. It's unreal. And the fact that they even said, like, they think you could be tampering. I'm like, like, you guys had these tapes. They had these tapes for years, I believe, when they took them from the house. Yeah, that's on them. I'm like, that's on you. They each came with a little tiny sticky note that says, this date by this person. So... Yeah, and they obviously didn't find any reason for them to keep it or have it and give it to you. I mean, and they gave you the original. So, you know, I would think if you are um, in the law enforcement field, you would have made a copy for yourself. So you'd be like, let me just keep this as a backup. I mean, I repeatedly um, offer them copies. You know what I mean? I'm like, I will give mm-hmm. you copies in a heartbeat. But let's yeah. talk about the originals. Yeah, I, I would not give you the originals of that stuff. So with the raid... Were you allowed to go back to the house after the search warrant and everything was done? Um, yeah. Well, so I was actually, I got to go in before they found the bombs. So oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was like such a crazy day. Yeah. So I get back to the house from the police station and there's like, I don't know, like a mass of like, I don't know, 12 people maybe in my driveway or whatever. And there's, you know, like swap vans <laughs> and like a million undercover cars. Like I literally have to park like like 12 houses down or whatever and walk to my house because there's so much law enforcement and then they all like look up in unison and I'm like 19 I'm like oh god like hi and I'm they're like you need to go away or whatever and I'm like no like I live here I need stuff um and eventually they escort me through the house because like I'm in college I'm like hi like I, can I get like my paper that's due tonight like thanks for ruining my life like uh, <laughs> I have an important deadline I know you got bombs in here dude but well, I didn't know. I had no idea. Like, nobody knew there were bombs at that point. At least I have to believe or else, like, why would you let me in the house? Um, right. Uh, especially, like, they probably, like, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. They, they probably had no idea. Yeah. They wouldn't have let you and then be like, sorry, talk yeah. to your school about getting a pass on that one. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I went in the house and I started getting stuff. And, of course, like, this is where, like, the notorious, like, they lost my dog story comes in. Is <laughs> like, um, which, like, they still, like, poke fun at me at. It's great. Uh, but, yeah, they're like. <laughs> yeah like here's your two dogs and I'm like what about the third one and they're like no no no. there was like no small white dog like that dog like they weren't like we're sorry we didn't see him they were like this dog didn't exist and then I was like like I was calm cool and collected until like I'm like fine like thank you so much sir blah blah blah. and they're like no there was no dog I'm like what's your badge number I'm gonna sue the shit out of you this is not okay to do to people (laughs) so yeah I gotta take my dog you're done (laughs) Yeah, so it was like, it was just such a weird experience. But yeah, they did let me go in. I got some stuff. They watched what I put in. Like, they were like, what are you putting in your bag? And at one point, I literally dumped my entire bag out on the couch. And I was like, tampons and dog food. Like, is there anything else that you want from, like, I, it's probably the brattiest moment ever. Um, but yeah. yeah, they did let me back in. I got some stuff and I was not happy. And I stayed on the scene for like an hour or whatever, looking for my dog. Um, they like cordoned off the neighborhood. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I just sit there and wait for my dog. And yes, I found my dog and it was the best experience ever. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I and then I go home or I go to my brother's house and I see the bombs on the news and we were all what the hell is happening. Um yeah. and then I got to go back home, I think like three days later, maybe a few days. And did you find any like was that your opportunity to I mean I guess maybe not because you weren't in that space to be like, oh, my dad did this. So I would imagine that if you were you now with what you know, you'd be like, I'm looking all over this place. So like what happened to the stuff that was left in the house? 
Yeah. So I, I kept the house for like two years or something, but my dad went to prison Mm -hmm. and at a certain point I was like, listen, my, my boyfriend's parents are like moving away and they want us to take over the mortgage and they like have a pool and it's a much nicer house and it would be the same price. And my dad was like, go live your best dream. Like stay in that house until they take it away from you. Don't pay the bills. Like thank dad. And uh, (laughs) and, um, he was like, just let the house go. You know what I mean? He's like, don't do anything that's going to affect your credit, but like, who cares about mine? I'm going to be in prison forever. Um, And so I I didn't let the house go. Um, But the stuff, I wish I took more, but that, that house, there's, there's some screenshots of it on like 2020 and stuff. It was like a hoarder's house. My dad kept Mm -hmm. every single piece of paperwork for his entire life. I literally still have the x-rays of my mother's like cancer in like 1991 or whatever. Like even oh, wow. I still keep things because like at this point it feels kind of just terrible to throw away. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, I did retain as much as I could. Um, but a lot of it I didn't think was important. I mean, obviously anything marked Alyssa, I imagine I kept. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so much was yeah. thrown away, given away, left at the house. I mean, just, I mean, probably like a whole U-Haul that's insane yeah that is crazy to me yeah i it it this is partly the reason why i don't ever cover like unsolved cases on my show because it's so like i need finality right like i need to know the end and what do you think like i know that you're super hopeful i think i i feel like in some way you're going to know right like i like you and Kristen, I just can't imagine. I'm going to murder people. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, I'm just going to have to kill you to get this information. Um, but what do you think ultimately happened to your sister? Yeah. I mean, just given the track record of what my dad did to my sister, I have to imagine that he probably, like he had many times, picked her up early from school, took her somewhere into the middle of the desert, and this time mm-hmm. things went different. And um, it's hard to know if something happened in that moment and then he kind of staged that scene at our house or if it happened before. This was premeditated, right? I believe it was premeditated because of the note. Um, mm-hmm. it's pretty much solely because of that note, you know, her runaway note, um, was analyzed and it's, uh, it's believed that it was written at two different times. And it all also references a completely different situation from a completely different day that my aunt verified. So it's an mm-hmm. old runaway note that is now placed there on the day that she's gone. Um, and of course, in addition to the phone call a week later, I believe that was also staged. So mm-hmm. as much as I, I mean, as much as it kind of feels better to think it happened for the moment, as crazy as that sounds, um, I really do think it was premeditated to a certain extent. But yeah, I think that yeah. he did what he did in the past and this time had a different outcome. Yeah. And he was like, oh shit, like, hello. Yeah, I, I hate the desert for this reason, because it's so hard to find anything. Um, But do you hold out hope that you are going to find your sister or like, what do you, I know that like magic wand, you'd want to find your sister and also have your dad prosecuted for the crime. But like, what is, what's more realistic to you that your dad will be prosecuted or that you're going to find your sister? That my dad will be prosecuted. For sure. Um, the police yeah. have made it very clear that they have no interest in looking for her body in any capacity. They've given me like so many different reasons. Um, you know, at first it was because of resources and then mm-hmm. they, they couldn't raise any money for those resources. And then I came to them and said, Hey, I have free cadaver dogs. They literally worked on the Natalie Holloway case. Like they're great dogs. They're highly accredited and they're going to be free. 
And then they were like, yeah, we'll think about it. You know, maybe if you get property owner permission, we could do that. And I was like, no problem. I will get you property owner permission. And then over email, they were like, absolutely not. We will never support, not never, but we, we cannot support a, a search at this time. But would you do, have you done anything or have you considered doing it on your own and just being like, let's take him out there. We have the permission. Let's do it and see what we find. So it's like a plan D for me. Um, mm -hmm. Just because number one, I don't think we need a body. Number two, um, it scares me to look for it without them. Like, unless I mm. had some, like, crazy neutral third-party videographer to, like, document every single thing, I think, I mean, obviously, if we find Alyssa's body, I don't think that you can refute that evidence. Um, mm -hmm. I'm afraid of what the police's reaction will be if they don't find it themselves. Like, right. I, they're just such wild cards. It just scares me. And the fact that they won't say, okay, yeah, we'll send one police officer with your search to make sure that everything's cool. Like. You've already spent millions of dollars. I mean, I have to imagine at least hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax dollars over these two men spending 10 years looking for Alyssa. And now you're telling mm -hmm. me you can't send one police officer out there to help me with a search or just sit there. Just to observe it. Just yeah. Observe just it. to observe. Um, I wonder if you could hire a off-duty cop to do it. Oh, that's a really good idea, actually. I mean. Yeah. Because we hire off-duty cops for like um, security issues at, you know. Well, at my old workplace or whatever, we worked in insurance. So it would be like an agent be like, I'm going to kill this guy. And so we'd be like, okay, cool. We're going to need a guy with a gun on site. Yeah. Um, so we would have off-duty um, police officers present. And so I wonder if that's a good way to do a loop. Like, I'm happy to pay you your hourly rate <laughs> and have you there. So it's something to consider. You know, I don't know that they... Um, I don't know if it has to get approval. Like I was never involved in that process or anything like that, but they get hired for events. So yeah. I'm like, what's the point of you not, maybe I need security. Stand usually, here for me. Yeah. Well, it's like extra money. I think they usually make like time and a half, which I'm happy to pay or whatever. Um, yeah. Granted, That's what I, I said. I'm like, I'll pay you. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely something I will do if I have to get there, but I have not given up on getting this traditional prosecution because mm -hmm. there are so many cases that have been tried in Maricopa County, the same County that Alyssa's case is in without a body and with less, yes. in my opinion, less circumstantial evidence. Um, yeah. So yeah. There's a lot that I think a reasonable jury would be able to convict your father on, even if he waived the jury trial and went with and the best part right with the jury trial in Arizona which is my favorite thing is that they get to ask questions and they get to go and say well hey what about this and poke holes and things right which most traditional juries don't get like in Texas if they had that I'd be so excited but um they don't like I think Florida and Arizona are two states that I know of I think Florida I'm not sure but Arizona for sure and I remember when the whole Jody Arias thing happened I was like you get to ask questions about this like what yeah. that's crazy but you see the point you know like it makes sense so it it kind of boggles my mind especially with all of the stuff that you have from their own evidence <laughs> that the podcast is all their evidence <laughs> yeah that it doesn't it does not make sense and it does not like compute for me like what are they mad that you have done their job and and showing you know how these things have been laid out into where it's obvious or are they thinking 
like I would think that there's probably some negative connotation with true crime podcasting, given how people on both of the aisles are like, Anand's guilty, Anand's not guilty. Stephen Avery did it. Stephen Avery didn't do it. And so I don't know that law enforcement takes us seriously yet, if you will, but they should. I mean, I would counter that by saying that the detective, um, Detective Stuart Summershoe, um, interviewed for the Missing Alyssa podcast and was quite mm. excited to be on there, um, you know, in terms of just what I heard on his interview. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to presentation. You know what I mean? Like that, the Missing Alyssa podcast doesn't necessarily present my fight with the police. It kind of ends before that, if you will. And they know that I'm going to present all this audio of them. Like I mm. requested it from them saying it would be used for media. So they know, um, and they have since said that they will never do media again for Alyssa's case, essentially. They were like, we've done, we, we think we've done enough, um, which is because, you know, I've been offered to do panels at CrimeCon if they would like to come, and they just refused. They refused to do everything. They were like, CrimeCon doesn't seem like the right audience for this case. And I was like, um, I, you're right. I disagree. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What I would be like, what is the good audience for this case then? Please tell me. Well, these Where are- would you go? <laughs> The same people who were set to do a seminar called Inside the Criminal Mind for the University of Arizona, the two detectives were going to partner with a forensic psychologist on my father's bomb case and present how Alyssa's case, like how they suspected it was, you know, somebody closer to Alyssa than we ever expected. And the whole seminar was about how my dad probably killed Alyssa. And now you're and they're like, like, sorry, wrong audience. I, it just, yeah, it makes no sense to me, but it, yeah. that's really interesting. To see because, you know, like you watch these ID shows and oxygen shows and the detectives are like, I'm, you know, I've been up at night with this case for the last 20 something years. And it's really disheartening, I guess, that they don't have that same reaction. Like I I, I said this earlier in my live stream on um, Instagram, I was like, it makes no sense to me that the cops are fighting you. Yeah. It's like, you know what? We have a common goal, and that's to find justice for Alyssa, however that comes, right? So why do I have to fight you? And why do you have to fight me? Like, why aren't we on? The, we're on the same team. We want the same thing. Who cares who gets it first, you know? And I would turn this just like you have. You've turned the evidence over to them, and they've kept you in the loop with things and told you stuff. So you know, I think that it is just truly they're trying to save face from themselves and whatever PD, you can come after me if you want to. I don't give a crap. Um, but like they're trying to save face for themselves. And it's really uncharacteristic of what most people think that detectives, especially in homicide cases, are like. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors like the two gentlemen, the two detectives that were on the case for like 10 years. I think mm-hmm. in 2017, when my father was released, if it were up to them, they would have gone through that second. But somewhere mm-hmm. along the way, it was presented to someone who said, absolutely not. We're unsure. Yeah, we're unsure if we're going to win this, so we are not going to move it forward. Um, and then I think it developed from there. You know, I think that now the detectives are kind of like, okay, do we look bad in all this? Like, like you said, it's very much public perception. If this goes to court, you know, they have to to kind of put answer. everything out the table. They have to answer for everything they did and they didn't do. And it, and it sucks. And I get it. I get it. You have to answer for why you did absolutely nothing in a missing girl's case with a documented history of abuse 
for like seven years. Um, yeah. So when did the abuse stuff come out? Because I know that that wasn't really, it was kind of like, I mean, you have the, I think what your cousin who had come to the house and seen the video of Alyssa and things like that. And I'm sure like, I, I heard how upset he was over the fact that he didn't do something now knowing like what's happened. And I get it. Like those were the times when people like with child abuse, with anything like domestic abuse truly didn't report things like that because they didn't want to get involved, you know? And I said out loud, like when I was listening to this, cause I often talk to you in your show and I'm like, what the fuck Sarah? Are you kidding? Um, I said out loud, I was like, are people really scared of Mike turning? Like, is this truly a thing where they are intimidated by him? And I had not seen a picture of him um, until recently, really. I didn't bother like Googling him because I was like, I don't really, you know, care about him so much. I care more so about Alyssa, who's beautiful, you that. beautiful as well. And I was just like, how how did he manage to be so manipulating and so controlling and so like such a force that people were like, mm -mm, not willing to do this, you know? And he was, I mean, to his credit, he was super eloquent in his statements. He talked to you in circles so that you were either tired and you were like, sure, dude, whatever you <laughs> want, no problem. Or you were like, yeah, you know, you have a case like, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't like, I get it. Like he's kind of a typical narcissist in that way that he finds a way to manipulate you. But like, how was his own family like that? Like, cause if my brother were to come to me and be like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, dude, I don't give a shit. Like <laughs> yeah, you're my brother. Like, I don't care about you. So how did he, like, has he always had that dynamic with people? Um, I mean, I, through talking to my brothers and looking at the reports and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that he's always been able to easily brainwash his own children, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, on top of that, he was a completely different person in the 1970s when he was raising his other children or whatever. Like he, it, from my brother's accounts, he was a good dad. He um, mm -hmm. was kind of everything you wanted. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, there's so many different factors. I mean, we know that he scares women. There are definitely still people to this day who are afraid to speak out against him. There are people's hmm. names I omit in the podcast because they told me I am terrified of your father. I don't want to speak about it. They would barely talk to the police. Um, so I don't know what that factor is. I mean, it's so weird because he did have so many people convinced, like our neighbors would come out and be like, he was kind of weird, but he was a great guy. He helped me take care of my car. He watched my dog, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but that's what they do. Yeah, they integrate exactly. themselves like, hello, Dexter, anybody? Like, yeah, that's what they do. Um, and maybe it's because we are a little bit more attuned to these things. I always liken it. I'm like, I, you know, I talk about these crimes all the time. So I kind of like, I don't trust people. And given my own upbringing, I don't trust people in general. But um, yeah, I think it's interesting. So you were talking about wanting to do something a little bit bigger for Alyssa and wanting to do like a billboard for her to like get information. So what are you doing to kind of get that rolling and how can we help you do that? Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I still have the GoFundMe up. I would say, I think I have enough now to do my billboards, um, mm -hmm. at billboards. So I had it all scheduled to go. It was going to run through her birthday and through the anniversary and then Corona hit and yeah. my city shut down. And I was like, I want to wait. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. 
but the thing is the city's opening back up um and so i'm actually in talks with them for hopefully running it in june um because good. i want her billboard you know the police sat me down and said get media exposure good luck um, but don't worry kid we're gonna give you a billboard in every freeway in phoenix and then that never happened and later when i asked mm-hmm. them about it they were like who told you you were gonna get a silent witness campaign like crazy um <laughs> Which is like, uh, it's so hard because um, I have so many things yeah. that back me up. Like I have conversations like with their uh, PR person. They're like, what's up with the billboards? Like, and they're like, that never happened. Um, but yeah, of I, course, I, I know I'm doing the billboards um, or at least a billboard, hopefully, depending on the real estate. You know, Phoenix is expensive. We're a big city, um, but that means so I'm super excited about that. Um, and hopefully I, I I don't know what they're going to let me get away with, but I want it to be a little racy, right? I want it to catch people's attention. What the hell? Um, yeah. I want the, the leaders in Phoenix who have the power to, you know, make these decisions about her case to see it. I, I want them to hear about it at the water cooler. I want them to see the billboard on the freeway. I want it to be on TV in the break room. I want it to be freaking everywhere. I think that's how we're going to win this. Um, but yeah, yeah, that looks like me going on more podcasts and, um, hopefully, you know, yeah, you've been making the rounds girl. <laughs> I <laughs> like Sarah is everywhere. I do a lot of interviews. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of interviews for three years or whatever now. It's just kind yeah. of like what I have to do, but yeah, hopefully that escalates, escalates, um, escalates into something bigger. And um, like right now there is a docu-series in the works. I can't say which network or whatever. I, right. I can't say much other than there is a docu-series in the works. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, going forward with um, a new project that I don't know if it's going to be season two yet or a completely different project, but yeah, I'm trying to branch out, you know, I'm doing talk. That's I, amazing. Yeah, plan to do videos on YouTube. Um, I, like I said, I, I feel like it needs to be everywhere to make the biggest. Yeah. Well, if there's any way that any of us can help you, for sure, let us know. Um, I worked with a family who had a loved one missing here in Fort Worth. And there was a young lady who went missing in my hometown of Plano, whose name was Christina Morris. And um, the young lady we assisted in Fort Worth, we were doing like a merch rally and a GoFundMe for her billboards and stuff. And we um, made it, you know, to at least have one up. But I'm, a thousand percent behind things like that because you know it's kind of the least we can do and we actually have managed um to contact you know those companies and be like would you be willing to donate a billboard for x amount of time and some people are like yeah and some people are like no yeah. um which i think you should in general if you if you have that kind of real estate space like yeah i get it it's probably like lost money but this is also somebody's life so like, where's the common decency in that? So, yeah, trust me, I tried. That's just me. <laughs> I'm like, that's just me. No, and I get it. I used to work in nonprofit events and sponsorships and stuff. So, like, part of my job yeah. was securing these free billboards. And they're like, listen, kid, you're not a tax write off. Sorry. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Do you have any um, plans to make anything for Alyssa, like a foundation or anything like that? Um, yeah, so there's a few things I want to do. I want to start a nonprofit, actually, I could thinking of, you know, nonprofits, um, where I help other people like me, other people who are fighting for justice that don't know what to do. Maybe they need help in how to do social media. Maybe they need help on how to do interviews, um, talking to the police, even just a case review, things like that. Just real practical, world, real world skills that hopefully they can take out there because there's no freaking handbook for this. You know what I mean? I learned everything the hard way. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, this case isn't going to apply to everybody, but maybe it can help a few people. Um, 
So yeah, I would love to do that in some type of fashion. Here. Um, but more immediately, I would love to get something enacted like law in Phoenix, which is really, really simple. Like, get this, like, get this. It's going to be like, <laughs> I'm like so excited. Um, like, there, I feel like there's no way they can say no. All I want is if an underage person runs away, I want a police officer to visit the home. We're done. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the they, entire law. They don't? Nope. That's what happened with Alyssa. That's exactly why. If one police officer came to our home the day that Alyssa went missing, I don't think any of this would have happened. They would have saw the cameras yeah. and said, what's that? Where's the footage? And then all the red flags would have gone off. Yeah, they've been like, you don't have footage for this day, but you have it for the other 364 days before this day? Yep. Yeah. So That's crazy. I thought they all went to the house like to take a report or something, and they're just like, oh, well, your kid ran away. Yep. Good luck. That's literally all they do. So yeah. That's all I want. Alyssa's law. Police officer comes to the house when a kid runs away. We're done. Yeah. If we can help, let us know. Yeah, we will do it. Um, so we are at the end of our time. You are such an amazing guest, girl. I love it. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, where can people find you to support you? And, you know, like, tell us where the deets are, where we can follow you. Yeah, of course. You can listen to Voices for Justice podcast, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, everywhere you can find podcasts. And then I am all over social media. You can catch me on Twitter. I have, you know, personal at Sarah E. Turney. There's the Voices for Justice, Instagram, Facebook, um, every TikTok now. Come find me. Yeah. Um, I love She's TikTok famous. Oh my gosh. When people keep, love I'm it. like, stop. Uh, it's super exciting. It's super fun. If you are like yes. cool about true crime and don't care about getting like some dark humor, like come follow me on there. It's, it's a ton of fun. You're, but, I mean, you're not that bad, girl. I love it. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like when you're like the detective says you have to get me. So you're like, no problem. <laughs> but you have crippling social anxiety. Oh, I was like, feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Um, and just a reminder for those before we end the stream that if you are watching on any other platform except for get outside of get vocal rather that if you send me your screenshot of you subscribe to our channel and also Sarah's channel doesn't matter if it's mine or yours you're on to get vocal right yeah, yeah. I go on and so <laughs> yes. So, sorry. So um, if you are subscribed to share a show or to my show, you can send me a screenshot of that to my email, tcfcpod at gmail.com or to any of the social media that I have that you follow me on and you will get a fun little TCFC goodie pack. But you have to be subscribed to my show and or to Sarah's show, the uh, Voices for Justice on Get Vocal. And it has to be on the Get Vocal platform. Don't really care if you're following anywhere else. Get Vocal is where we want you to be so that you can have a conversation with us whenever we have guests on or whenever, um, you know, we go live every Thursday for True Crime Thursdays. But Sarah, thank you again a thousand times for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You're such a great soul and I, you know, a hundred percent behind you for everything that you're doing. And if I can support you in any way, please let me know. Um, but other than that, I'm going to stop the broadcast and then make sure you tune in tonight. We're also going to have, um, Josh Hallmark is going to be doing true crime bullshit right after this. And then Sarah's going to be going on doing her live stream voices for justice. So make sure that you're subbed to that channel and then you tune in. Anything else? No, thank you. What are you going to be talking about today? Um, so on your stream. Yeah, I'm actually for the first time ever discussing a case that isn't Alyssa's. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be joined by some family members and we're going to discuss. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, Diane Francis. She's missing. So her family's mm -hmm. going to come on as well as another podcaster. I'm sipping on some crime, Miss Erin Reed. And they're going to talk about that. Yeah, so I'm excited to awesome. help others. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. So everybody, make sure you check that out tonight. Um, Get Vocal on Thursdays is your place to be if you want to like meet your favorite podcasters and talk true crime all night and drink your favorite drinks. So cheers to you guys. I hope you have a great rest of the night. Make sure that you wash your hands, you nasty people. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. You're not nasty. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay.